gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Uh, I'm solo today because uh, Frank is out trying to uh, shoot an elk. I, I'm not sure. Kind of just snuck out of here, little fucker. He didn't even tell me. He texted me, "Hey, I'm going elk hunting." Um, but anyway, I've got my longtime friend uh, Justin Davis on the podcast across from me, and actually my neighbor. Now that I've moved into the mountains, <laughs> what's up, man? How's it going? Uh, good, good. Uh, Justin's kind of a unique individual. He's um, killed half the planet but probably not as known as well as he should be um mostly because he doesn't how would you put that you're not really searching for insta fame um yeah, you mostly <laughs> i don't come out of my mom's basement very often <laughs> exactly uh recluse yeah you yeah you're definitely um coming from an introvert you're definitely an introvert um but you you're the you're the youngest guy to shoot the Colorado Big Nine with a bow, right? Nope. Yeah. Buzzly. Yeah, I was in it. There was they just did an article in the CBA about mm. that, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yep. That um, uh, cause how shit? How old are you now? Um, thirty-five. Good lord. You, I was gonna say you did. Was it last year? It was two years ago. The moose was the yep. last one, yep. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, but you've you've bow hunted. Um, like we met each other. Fuck. Uh, God, we are getting old. So, you might have still been in high school. No, I'm just kidding. That's right, 2010. <laughs> Middle school. Yeah, <laughs> 12, 10, 10 to 12 years, I guess, 2008, 10. Um, your name was Ermine on, yep. that's what you're at, at on my phone. Um, but, uh, but the, so the, talk a little bit about the, the big nine. Like, what are the species, uh, you know, that, you know the, the drawing and all the pain in the ass of that and, um, and how long it took? Because I I'm assuming you probably shot your first one in the, in your teens, I guess. But uh, but yeah, what what are the species yes. and was uh, that something you were trying to, to do? Yeah, so Colorado has the technically has ten species. Um, there's the mule deer, white tail, antelope, elk, mountain lion, black bear, gyrus moose, bighorn sheep, desert sheep, and then mountain goat. And yeah, that desert was, sheep is unattainable. Yeah, <laughs> and they, yeah, that was something when I got into bow hunting. That was kind of all the goal of mine was to get the eight at least. Nine wasn't really something I thought of, but the eight is something I thought I could draw and do over my lifetime. And it, if for you, you'll probably be potentially in your fifties to shoot desert bighorn. Because you have to start all over after yeah. the bighorn. Yep. In, um, the, in the desert, they don't, they don't, not the points really matter, but they don't even keep points for the desert. That's all just lottery. Yeah. And luck. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, I don't, fuck, I'm trying to think. I don't think, I'm only thinking one or two people that I've even known drawn that quite some time. So that, that one's a little bit, a little rough. But, um, I, you know, I don't want to make the entire podcast about the, you know, those nine, cause you've shot a ton of other shit, but there are those eight, um, what was probably the most difficult one, um, you know, out of, out of those and not drawing. Cause they're all, you know, like yeah. all of them, the, the big, the big, I guess like the, the goat, the, the sheep and the moose are a bitch. Um, what was the one where you're like, fuck, this one may not happen. You know, uh, the big horn sheep for sure. 
Yeah. And you know that mountain range. And <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Physically and mentally, that was definitely the toughest. And I think I was, I certainly wasn't helping you. Where, what the, I was hunting something. I remember we had talked about you're, Frank and I. You were hunting. I can't remember what you were. You were on doing something. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. Anyway, it, it you know, that, that, uh, it's doable in that unit, but like, um, you know, I was just talking to a guy that, um, wanted to, to draw it and I was like, it's doable. I'm like, but it, you know, it's, it, it, you know, to me, that mountain range is probably better. I've done a few where we went in for maybe 10 to 12 days. That's probably not the smartest, maybe five days <laughs> and then come out and then go back in. Uh, cause I, I would say, I don't know if you tracked it a few times I've tracked in there. There was some 10, 12,000 foot gain and lost elevation days. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and 10 miles in there is like 25 anywhere else. Cause yeah, of the, brutal. there's nothing flat. Um, but yeah, that, that one though, um, what, 20 days. How long were you in there for you? I hunted, I hunted the majority of the season probably. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of did the go in four to five days. Yeah. Mostly because you can't really base and jump in there. You have to come back out cause you can't get into the next place. Because it's so steep <laughs> and accessible. Yeah, you kind of got to drive around the mountain range yep. sometimes. And, uh-huh. and uh, the guy I was talking to, uh, I said, you know, if you draw and I can help you, you know, I, I will. I said, but you you want to be really prepared to just be dropped off and and have a pickup person because you don't know. I mean, you it, most places it's not that big of a deal for for me or you or any anybody fit to oh yeah we'll just go over here we can come back mm-hmm. it's a big fucking deal down there to yeah. oh yeah we're gonna hike over this range and you know climb back over it to the truck yep <laughs> yeah no um so that that's kind of what I had suggested but you didn't you didn't have anybody who was able to come pick because it's no. freaking five hours from either your wife's yeah or your yep. house whatever huh. how yeah. how long. Almost the whole season, 20, 30 yeah, days? Yeah, I pretty much hunted. I kind of did it in groups of four to five days, multiple trips, though. And the funny thing is, opening day, I saw a nice ram and got on that group, and I was literally 10 feet above them, and they are bedded down on a rock, and they were, the big one was below a rock, and they were all laying there. And I was like, well, this is easy. You yeah. know, and so I was like, I'll try for the big one just because it's opening day and it, I don't want it to be over that fast, you know? Yeah. And so I ended up, the wind switched or something and those sheep blew out of there. And then I, for five days, I never saw another <laughs> ram and I was, I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I probably should have shot one of the ones that was just laying there. Yeah, no kidding. But that's one thing I, I didn't expect the sheep to be so spooky. Yeah. A lot of, you know, they, they're not like deer or elk where you spook them and they run over and stop. They literally run you know, like five miles before they stop. Yeah. And in, in one of the areas that, um, I think I had told you about, uh, we had, um, several, even before Phil drew his tag and I took, I had taken him in there. Um, I watched him run, I mean, two and a half miles over a mountain range and, you know, at the time you're looking at it and you, and then you look at the map and you measure it and I'm like, Jesus, like, and they never stopped. Like, yeah. I mean, they might've stopped for a second and then took off again. And that wasn't like from one being wounded. That was just, they winded us. Yeah. Um, 
So that was tough. Your your moose hunt though, you shot a cranker of a moose. Was that a one and done deal? Did you get that done pretty quick? Yeah, that was I actually I saw it a couple times during the summertime when I was scouting and it was kind of in a place where I knew other hunters and outfitters might see it and actually the night before the season it was out pretty much the day before the season that moose stood out out in the open for everybody to see (laughs) all day long and I was like are you kidding me no and the funny thing about it is the I was watching it and you could see it from this roadway you know parked on the road and it stood out all day long and then just so happened to walk into the trees and no more than 10 minutes later that the outfitter rolled up oh and i was so like, he didn't get to see and it and he didn't get to see it and, <laughs> not, and they didn't go there opening day i think because they didn't see it who it was the you don't have to say the name is it the normal the one i don't like good i'm glad he didn't <laughs> but I, in my head i was thinking we were gonna have some competition but it ended up just being me but they, uh, I got out there opening day in the dark and I got kind of to where I thought it might be. And I was sitting there and I see six headlamps coming along the trail <laughs> and I was like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> that's the outfitter. <laughs> and like, and it turned out to be some hikers and they took a wrong turn and they were just wandering out there and they ended up turning around. But yeah, I, I couldn't see the moose and then. Finally, I saw him. He was with a cow and a calf, and they're yards away from me. And I was like, "Oh man!" The wind was perfect, and I was like, "Oh, he's dead." And then I snuck. I got close to like thirty, and he was in these willows, and wind was perfect. And I was just standing there, motionless. And this cow just turned her head, look at me, and then they just <laughs> blew out of there. So I was like, "Uh oh, there goes my opportunity." But that bull, luckily, he stopped. Stopped at 57 yards, when they, I think. When I, they blew out yeah, to look at you. Yeah, they blew out and they started running full bore away and that, the bull stopped and I, was, and I shot him. But yeah, Were you where I... Well, I'll ask you when we get off. I think what you were where we were at recently for that. Um, anyway, so we had Bullwinkle try to molest us. That fucker came in from like 400 yards out and I thought it was weird because I could hear um, a, a bull... And I, I couldn't, I didn't see a cow, but I, but I could hear a bull. Yeah. And then I saw a cow running at us, but it wasn't a cow. It was a little bull. So I was trying to get the binos. I'm like, it was cold. And yeah. I'm like, huh. So I was like, mmm, mmm. and I mean, he humming. Yeah. And I was like, huh, I, I guess the rut's still going on. Right. So I, I had figured we'd probably see a, a big one in there. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't end up seeing a big one in there, but I bet just with the cold and the snow, they probably pushed them down a little bit, but. It's weird with moose in Colorado. People don't realize you'll, you'll find those fuckers at like 12.5 in the yeah, summer. Yeah. Like they're up high. Uh-huh. And you killed yours at yeah, like 12,000. Oh, mm-hmm. I, um, I was surprised because, um, you know, I've hunted moose in, you know, BC and in the NWT and everything else. And they do hang out in moose swamps here. The thing is, is moose swamps are at 12,000 feet. Yeah. Here. And uh, I've had people get a hold of me for, for help and they're scouting. And I'm like, well, just get above tree line. And they're like, they're moose. And I'm like, yeah, so get above tree. Anyway, yeah. you know, get above tree line because that's how I scout them in the, in the summer is yep. they're, they're up high. Yeah. Um, yeah did you the, see that one up high in yeah, the summer? Yeah, all the, 
probably all the biggest bulls I saw in the summer were all up above Timberline, you know, living with the deer and the mountain goats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, Colorado's one of the only places you can see a deer, a mountain goat, a moose, and an elk all on the same ridge line wow. at 12.5. It's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, you you killed um uh your whitetail several years ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't you? Um, I think I remember the picture. That was just an OTC draw kind of deal. Wasn't yeah, it? I was like, uh, I think I picked up the tag as a second choice. Yeah, and I've never. That's the only whitetail I've ever killed, and I went down there and I was hoping just to even see a whitetail, let alone get one, and just got lucky. Got a I, I posted picture up here on my story so the white tails on there yeah that's the same one but you you were on the ground for that weren't mm-hmm. you yeah how's just, that it came by well i saw it with a doe a couple hundred yards away and they took off into this row of trees and so i just got on the trees and start sneaking down there and that that buck like doubled back on i think he was trying to sneak away you know he thought he was being sneaky yeah and he came right by me at 17 yards and i shot him uh <laughs> right about shit the, yeah right on the ground just like oh here he comes and <laughs> yeah well and it's weird too um I, it's kind of like um the oklahoma area where i hunt um because i haven't hunted whitetail in colorado yeah. um only because i got really good whitetail spots everywhere else there is big i mean I, I i say that i went with nestor once and uh Nestor's not a whitetail hunter, right? I mean, he hunts them like mule deer. And I asked him, I was like, have you ever rattled in here, grunted? And he's like, that shit doesn't work. And I'm like, all right, well, what? he's got some 180-inch whitetail running around. Cody Covey has that a tag out there. And Cody, you know, he did the full-on. He's got tree stands up the river bottom. He's he's taking an e-bike in. It's way in there and game cameras or whatever. Alex doesn't, you know, do that. Um, but I, they put a couple 200-inch whitetail on the ground out there. So. Yeah, I you know, believe just, it. Colorado's not known for, you know, yeah. whitetail. Yeah, there's weird hunting, too. Yeah, there's some big ones in Colorado. Yeah. They're just kind of not known for it. Yeah. The, um, the, on, on the different hunts or whatever, like I said, I, I popped the, the photo up of the, the ones, I think you put po- your last post was, was some of the animals, but you've shot some pretty, um, you know, cranker elk as well. What, what's the biggest elk you've put on the ground? The biggest, I, I, f- I don't always get animals scored i don't really care about score too much but biggest one that had scored scored 338 i think and then i killed but probably my favorite elk was i killed a big five point and it in a shit unit if i remember correctly yeah and it (laughs) and it scored 330 as a five point so that's probably my favorite bull i've ever killed it was just a huge five point but that was an otc tag Mm -hmm. wasn't it did you kill that fairly quickly when you, when it was, you was yeah, that? it was, I think I saw it, the, I saw it a couple nights before I killed it and I, I just saw its whale tail. Yeah. And because it's was myth missing like its fifth point. Yeah. It just had this gigantic <laughs> whale tail. So I was like, holy, you know, <laughs> hmm. and then I ended up shooting when I shot it, it was like raking a tree inside. I couldn't even really see its antlers, but it was standing there. 40 yards away from me and I shot it and then I got up. Oh, this is a big five point. Yeah. Well, it was funny when you shot that, um, which obviously I don't, you know, haters, right? Shit talkers. I didn't, I didn't, uh, at the time, which that was four years ago, I think. Three. When did you, that five point, was that three or four? It had been a while, I think. Yeah. 
uh, somebody had mentioned, um, you know, the, the usual suspects of, uh, you know, he only kills elk in his, you know, in his neighborhood or in your, your local unit or whatever. And, uh, then you shot that and I was like, Oh, I'll be damned. OTC tag three thirty fucking five point. I, I guess he does know what he's doing. Cause I, I like to talk shit. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, uh, but I had hunted with you, so I obviously knew, but, um, that, I mean, I say a shit unit, pretty much all OTC units are not great. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of pressure, but the, the elk are in there, but I just hard with so many knuckleheads yeah, running around. Yeah. And you know, that like the knucklehead thing, obviously I, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like you work on calling from wherever you're from back east all year, and and really the the calling is very little to do with it. It it it's more um tactics and common sense and knowing animal behavior. And I mean, there's some little calling involved, but um as you know, in some of those OTC tags, um you'll hear seven thousand hoochie mamas go off by noon yep. on the first day, and or estrus calls or whatever. And so the the OTC hunting, and we're both. You know, I'm giving shit. I got, I'm 10 years older than you, but I, the, the elk have evolved a lot, even in the last 10 to 15 years, in, in my opinion. And, and even some of the areas that, you know, by our house, they've gotten a lot smarter. Um, you know, one of those units, we used to shoot them right off the road. Like, we really would walk up the road and bugle. That does not happen very often anymore. Those fuckers got smart. And between the, the ATV, UTV traffic and the, you know, you know summer, what do you want to call it? People just camping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't live there anymore. Yeah. Um, it de definitely seems like elk. I've noticed that they've definitely gotten a lot quieter, like responding to calls. They don't doesn't seem like they bugle as much as well, they used to. So you were on both site back in the day when the uh, like Big Dan Moore. He actually has passed away, and and he'd killed a ton of elk. And there was the you know just get within eighty and bugle. Yeah, it shit yeah. don't work anymore. Like <laughs> no. where we were just at with South. Yeah, that was the call sign for them to get the fuck out. Like, and I'm not saying it doesn't ever work, but mm -hmm. when you've, you know, in their case, worked three weeks to have three cows, they don't really want to go fight for them. Like, uh, so they're like, yeah, let's ease out the back, you know, and you know. right place, right time, it, it does work. But um, I've altered my elk hunting greatly to a lot more sneaking and a lot less calling because um, it, it just worked. Yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah, I've noticed it since. Just growing up in Colorado, they they definitely don't bugle and like they used to. I don't think. They're, yeah, I w I would agree. Overall, yeah, I mean, overall, some days you can get into it, but it's just not what it used to. I think too many people out there calling, probably. Yeah, inevitably, if somebody's going to be listening to this and they're going to think, well, this year we were hunting and we got it. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm sure you did, but for the most part, um. You know, there was a lot of guys that used to drive the road, bugle, you know, which is probably illegal. So I've never done it, anybody listening. But if you had, they would drive the road at night, bugle, figure out where they're at for the next morning. That doesn't work overly well like it used to either. Not that I'd ever done it because I'm not sure if it's legal or not. But if I had, uh, I don't anymore because it just doesn't work like it used to. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things nice with backpack hunting is you can sleep and you'll hear them. And it's definitely a much more effective tactic that they make the noise and you're not making it and they're, they're telling you where they are without you you know doing anything to get that reaction and, and that's handy backpack hunting because you're sleeping amongst them um road hunting running and when i say that meaning camping off the road is a little bit tougher doable for sure but i don't i don't really try to even hunt otc anymore um it's not for me yeah <laughs> it's kind of a pain 
Yeah. I don't, uh, do it. I don't do it much either. I try to avoid it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's so, there's a lot of other options when I say that meaning. I've, there's a lot of other tags, a lot of other hunts, and I'm not saying I won't. Frank and I have went a couple of times in OTC tags to, to run in and, and um, have been successful with it, but it it is definitely um, disheartening when you pull up and there's 37 cars at the trailhead or, you know, whatever. Everybody's wanting to come hunt out west. So I think the, the, uh, people are starting to move on to other states, especially Idaho. That's yeah. that's one that people are kind of shifting from Colorado to Idaho a little bit more, it seems like, hmm. which I'm all for. Idaho's way better. Everybody yeah. go to Idaho. Uh, so uh, some of the other hunts, um, you know, because with uh, like the mountain lion and, and on that mountain, you had to cl- crawl in a cave for that mountain lion, or was that a different hunt? Uh, I've killed I've killed two mountain lions, but yeah, I killed one and I crawled in a cave and <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's actually a cool story because I went. My wife was pregnant, and she was. It was getting close to the due date, and I asked her, "Hey, can I go mountain lion hunting?" She said, "Sure, go ahead." So, mountain lion hunts sometimes can take all day long, and we saw this mountain lion, and I had my bow with me, and it chased it with dogs but it, it got in this rock pile and because of the rock pile there was like no hole to shoot arrow you know yeah so i there's this little tiny crack that was just like two inches and i tried to slip an arrow through there and i hit the mountain lion i don't know where i hit it but there's a little blood out the bottom but dogs chased it and it went up into this cliff and it went in this hole and the dogs were going in and out of the hole and the guy i was with was like well that's where the lion is. It's in there. And he, I was like, huh, how do I do now? And so he just, he had a pistol. He's like, here you go. <laughs> and so I, crawl, I crawled in there and crawled way back there. And it was so tight. I was, I was, my worry was that I was going to get stuck okay. in there because I thought I was like going to get stuck and not be able to get out. But I made it all the way in there and kind of came to a T and I could hear the mountain lion growling. Yeah. And I couldn't tell if it was left or right. And I just had a flashlight. And I'm going to guess left. <laughs> I looked left and it was like three feet away from me and I shot it. Uh, was he pissed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I bet. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, so it was kind of crazy. And then I we got out of there and Katie was texting me and she where are you? And I was like, oh, I just killed one. And then she's like, I'm thinking you might need to come home. And <laughs> she was going into labor. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, did you pull up to the hospital in your hunting clothes? Or? Yeah, so we, I went and picked her up, and I still had blood on my hands <laughs> when I got. <laughs> we went down there. Was she pretty cool as oh, far yeah, as she, that? Yeah. yeah, she was cool. It was just funny. You might, or she didn't say, like, I'm going to labor. She just said, you might need to come home. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. Oh, shit. But luckily it worked out. Yeah, no, that's good. I, uh, um here color the mountain lion hunting here's uh well you the guy you went with there and then i don't know how many houndsmen are in that area um a lot i mean it's crazy uh to the point i don't a couple times i've went with guys you know midnight you're showing up driving and you know everyone's driving the road and it's it's pretty crazy um i mean there's decent you know there's decent amount of lions in there but it um I don't know if it's just I'm lazy anymore, but I, I just don't have the ambition to do that for seven days in a row to wake up at midnight driving driving roads. But those 
Those houndsmen, they they're committed. I'll give it to I'll give that. It, it's have you ever noticed like all houndsmen, everybody else's dogs are stupid and theirs are the smartest in the world. Yeah. I, it, so I didn't. I'm not the only one that noticed that. Yeah, I think in my opinion, the a lot of the houndsmen there are a lot of drama queens. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> when seems... it comes to they like to bicker and fight with each other. And yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I just uh, kind of sit back and and listen and laugh because um, I'm sure all the dogs are are good or within reason, you know. But I. I've went. I've I've been lucky enough to go with Bart uh, uh, several times, and you know he runs um, hounds and and Krillians, and so it's a little bit different because um, you know one's a and, and I'm no expert, but one's a sight dog and and one's a sniffer dog, right? So the like Bobcats, the little figure eight and fuckers, take forever to yeah. tree, and and uh, that doesn't happen with Krillians because um they they run them down. That's and so where a, a hound will be, you know, watching them work with his nose to the ground, go you know, the cattle go into like a brush pile. Well, that cattle shoot out the back and the hound's still sniffing or whatever. Well, the Krillians see it and they're, they're as faster, faster than the, the cat. So, um, lynx are the same way. So Bart's had guys call them cause their dogs are on the, uh, a lynx or a, a bobcat forever. And those Krillians will tree it. In That's crazy. No huh. time. Yeah. It's different. You know, big That's furry cool. ass fucking dog, you know, that yeah. you don't, but they're good. I mean, he uses them for, Grizzlies before they mm. banned it too, so yeah. I've been on a few of those. That's crazy, you know. I it's uh, adrenaline junkie wise, it's good because you. It's not a matter if that, that fucker's going to charge; it's just when. So yeah. when we had done it for Black Bear, he wasn't real keen on telling people I had a recurve because he didn't want a bunch of recurve guys up there. Gotcha. Um, because one, the dog can get shot, and two, yeah. you you got to shoot quick and. I'm always I'm much like yourself. I'm like, fuck it, let's give it a whirl. You know, seems cool, right? So we, I'd never done that with a walking bay up, yeah. right? And then getting in front of them, waiting for them to run you over. To sh- and so we had this, that one, um, it ended up being like a, a 19 and a half inch skull on a female. It was Dang. 25 years old. We didn't know that at the time, right? Yeah. So the, the dog, it, it got into a walking bay up um, like immediately. So we knew it was, was big. Um, in in Bart with that, I love the. Oh, we got a dandy with that. Uh, I can't do the Canadian accent, but he was excited. So we 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 hooked above it, and it was coming up a creek bottom. But it had been it had bit the dogs a couple times, and the dogs didn't give a shit. We didn't know at the time. Didn't have any fucking teeth. It was it was so old. So we we get and we're on the, the cut bank above it, and and Bart had grabbed me because he he didn't think I was going to get a shot, and I'm like, wait, wait, and I. I, I put a good, put a really good arrow in it. Yeah. And, uh, he was, you know, excited. He's nailed it for whatever reason. It finally saw us or heard us and it started <laughs> coming. And, uh, my second arrow was from me to you. And, uh, it, it just rigged it right there straight, Dang. like shoulder spine and just dropped it. And I was like, holy shit. I can't believe that just happened. And Bart was like, Jesus, I think it's a female. And I was like, does have little wrists dude it looks like a grizzly uh but it was giant female and and you know we and we had killed a few others and and i've been on them with other hunts but it's with the recurve and the dogs and hitting the dog and having to get an arrow off accurately and it's a shit show yeah (laughs) sounds sounds entertaining yeah no it's them on the ground that's yeah it was wild but i mean it sucks because they they Shit can grizzly hunting up there. So now there's 
they don't know fear. So it's becoming a problem just because, you know, they don't get hunted. And then next thing you know, bicyclists are driving down the road or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like when Frank went up on that last bear hunt, they were on e-bike. Well, those, they're quiet. And uh, Frank's like, dude, it's dangerous. Somebody's going to get fucking eaten. Because you come around the corner, there's a grizzly standing (laughs) on the road. And you're on an e-bike. And you ain't out running a grizzly. And uh, they don't know fear. So they don't, like, literally, Frank's like, dude, I don't, I'm not. It's not for me. Yeah. Like, I'm not going again. Like, that's not cool. Kind of like California banning mountain lion hunting and then have problems with mountain lions. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't. Uh, similar, similar thing. A lot of the things going on in this current day and age and political climate are, make absolutely no sense to no. me. Uh, not just. Well, I don't want to get into deep. What? <laughs> conversation about masks and getting the the jab or whatever they call it and hunting but the the hunting thing uh like with the wolves um you know it's funny frank went downtown with his um with his girlfriend um i think it was some kind of like a art fair thing or anyways there was hey sir will you sign this to you know bring wolves into colorado and so you know frank having a brain was like why do you want wolves in colorado well they belong here He's like, they, they do? And he's like, well, the grizzlies belong here, too. How come we're not petitioning for them to, to come to Colorado? Exactly. Well, they're more dangerous. And he's like, well, that doesn't make any... And he's like, well, I'm not going to sign your petition. And Frank's like, every person that that woman handed that to signed it. Oh, yeah. unseen. Yeah, and they have no clue. No clue. Never in the woods. And no. so Frank started asking when people would sign it, like, hey, have you ever been in the wilderness? No, no, no. You ever been a, in the woods? Well, we drove over Mount Evans once, and it's like... We went to Rocky Mountain National Park once. <laughs> yeah, and, and and then they've, you know, I mean, that's how we lost the boat. Um, and the the wolves, like, I'm not against wolves. It's the hand, once they're there, the... the um, I'm only going off of other states. The hands are tied on yeah, managing. Managing, them. right? Yeah. If you had a... Um, and I don't want to get a bunch of hate mail that I'm a wolf lover or a hater. It's just, I don't mind if they're here. The management portion is what worries me because once they're here, there will be court like battles mm-hmm. for the management program. And by the time that let's say we do win the pop elk, po- you know, the elk population's toast, the moose population is toast. And we're one of the only, the moose population here is, uh, crushing other states yeah. growing wolves are crush moose and so and the moose we have aren't real bright they don't know a predator so they're going to get crushed immediately out of the gate and that's what worries me is it's not necessarily the introduction of wolves uh, it's the management program or lack thereof um and i mean i don't what are your feelings on that or 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 whatever because i know you like wolves and when i say they are cool um like are are, are you for against or kind of in the same boat where i'm at i'm I'm in the same boat you are, but I'm I'm against wolves kind of just because I think in Colorado at least hunting is such a big um money making tool for the CPW and, you know, local businesses and everything and I think the wolves coming in is just gonna compete with hunters and affect hunting. Yeah, and, and the kind of the weird thing, you know, while you're uh and I, I understand the like we wanna go back to natural times well if we want to do that then people better start moving out of their houses and you know yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're kind of to the point where we can't have natural times and 
Oh yeah, for sure. And that's and, one thing they say is, well, let's bring it. We want to bring back the, what it naturally is. I'm like, well, naturally we start moving out of Colorado if you want to try to make it natural. Yeah, that's no <laughs> shit. And in um, one of the things I'd brought up, I think it was on an Eastman's podcast. They they'd asked me to come on about the wolves. Was like, you know, there's no off button on a wolf, and and there's an off button with hunters, and it can be regulated. And so one of the things I had brought up and got a ton of emails over was. If you, you can monetarily pinpoint exactly what you'll lose closing down Rocky Mountain National Park for seven days. Um, to, I mean, literally to the dollar. Okay, well, then you can charge that much for tags to make that back so there's no money lost and take out the overpopulation of, of elk, which was kind of the big thing with these wolves. And, you know, you read studies about um, Yellowstone, you know, and, and how... You can twist kind of, oh, they were, the elk, the, the wolves were good. The, the elk are bad. Well, yeah, after 20 some years that yeah. there might be a little bit of good or you can polish a turd and make it sound good. But there was nothing wrong when it started yeah. that couldn't have been handled in five to seven days with the hunter. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's no hunters in Yellowstone. So the Yellowstone model is a little different than Colorado. Yeah. Well, and it, even, like I said, you could very easily hunt. Rocky Mountain National Park, close it down. Obviously, it would have to come from Congress, but no money would be lost, and, and there's an off button. It's yep. a seven-day season. You charge a shitload for the tags. You make the money back lost yep. from closing down the park. Um, but what are the, what are the chances of seeing a wolf? Like the, Everybody's like, oh, we, we, you know, people want to see them. How many black bears have you seen? Yeah, they're rare to see. Yeah. <laughs> you heard, we, have, we have overabundance <laughs> of black bears. In an overabundance of mountain lions, and how often do you see those? So, not very often. I just say in Colorado, not in the high country when they come out of the den in the spring. That's a little different. And like the bells, of course, that's because our we fucked that up, and so now there's too many black bears. But um, I saw one the other day, not too far from your house, run across the road. That's the first one I've seen in probably eight years, other than in the high country when they come out of the den. Um, mountain lions. I've only seen here in Colorado, Jeremy and I saw two. That's a lot. I mean, I'm in the field more than anybody I yeah. know, and I've seen two. So what are the chances of seeing a wolf? Yeah, the same or Not less. Less, <laughs> yeah. You're going to see a lot of carcasses. Um, yeah. You know, and, and some of my buddies that are up in um, areas that are hit pretty hard in, in Idaho, but more so in Wisconsin and Minnesota, are like you don't put muskies in your trout pond. Because it becomes a musky pond mm, real quick. Weird. Yeah, because they're the dominant predator. And um, nothing in Colorado is going to compete with a pack of wolves. Um, you know, it. I think what they say, they're going to have six breeding pairs. Is that what it was? Um, I'm not sure. It was six or 12. I can't remember. I kind of almost see it as a, maybe this is a conspiracy theory, but I kind of see it as a ploy against hunting yeah. you know it's kind of an anti-hunting tactic i think it's not too far of a stretch you take away elk then you take away tags then you take away revenue of small towns and then you mm -hmm. those those people have to move and so you don't have the vote for hunting hunters stop coming here to to colorado um it's not really a that's not i, I mean i've heard some crazy conspiracy theories that's definitely one i wouldn't consider a conspiracy <laughs> theory i'd say that's probably more like fucking fact yeah um, so that's kind of the way i view it is it's kind of a tactic against hunters i think yeah well and it, i mean it's a good good tactic because you know, you the point yeah the, 
their argument is we want it to be natural, but like Frank was saying, well, why aren't we bringing grizzlies back? Yeah. That's yeah. never talked about. Why don't, you know. And they're bringing back that, as I understand it, it's not even the species it's native to, to Colorado. So kind of a weird deal. Um, I'm moving, so I'm, I'm, I care, but it's like I'm, I'm kind of ready to get out of the, the state. And I'm not a, um, uh, you know, Colorado born and bred guy. I've been here for a, Jesus Christ, a long time, almost two decades. But Colorado's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were on that uh, goat hunt, which was, I mean, what nothing wrong with it, right? Great to see people in the outdoors. Yeah, I tell you what, there was people summoning uh, the 14ers when we we pulled into the trailhead. It was dark. There was people already at the top, and hundreds this was on a week, of them. <laughs> yeah, this was on a weekday. Um, I took Amy up there on the weekend to scout. Um, there's 700 cars in the parking lot, um, which uh, it's great people in the outdoors. This the hairier, sticky thing on this one, and Chris Rose been on the podcast, and he'll he could talk peace in the Middle East, right? Like four hours, he'll go on and on. And Chris brought up a very good point because I have brought up to hikers as they're bitching about me hunting, like, "Hey, it's Colorado Parks and Wildlife. What do you think you contribute with your parking pass?" I don't even know if that goes to it. I'm like, "We're carrying the lion's share of the load." Like. You are enjoying what you're getting to do because of hunters. You may not like that, but I'm sure we're 90 plus percent of the monetary um, gain from, from par- for parks and wildlife. Mm-hmm. You know, do we want them to start contributing more? They got more of a vote then, right? That's kind of bad. Um, I think it's comical, though, that uh, the one guy that was literally eating a ham sandwich, which last time I checked, ham was meat, uh, as he's yelling at me for hunting. And I'm like... <laughs> dude where do you think that ham came from i thought it was roast beef at first but whatever it's it's meat and i'm like that shit didn't grow on a tree man grocery store uh and he's like he goes what's that have to do anything i'm like well you killed it he's like you killed it with your checkbook um but same thing man we eat what we kill you know and trying to convey that point politely while they're being dicks is rough for me but you know, and God forbid the voice of reason step in where I start talking about, well, man, that animal still died. You just killed it a different way than I did. I actually did the dirty work. Yeah. You know, if I talk to 10 people, well, that might come across through to one. The other one are just motherfucking me to death, screaming at me that I'm an asshole with no open mind at all. And that has happened a lot more here than 10 years. Yeah. I've gotten a lot. More. Yeah. Generally from people moving in from other states. Yeah. You, you, are you, because Bailey is where you basically live now. Is that where you've been pretty much your whole life? Yeah, pretty much. I was, I was raised there, and then I lived in, I lived in Fort Collins for a while and different spots, but pretty much mostly out of Bailey. Yeah, you went to college up there, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're and you're a fireman now. Yeah. So that's one thing I, I didn't even think about talking about. Uh, you know, I have tons of people messaging that want to get in the outdoor industry, and the kind of the one, what's the definition of outdoor industry, right? Like, I mean, do you, want to answer phones for an outdoor company or because yeah. <laughs> not everybody gets to have a super cool job uh what i usually suggest is become an ent a fireman uh you know something with good shift work um like what are your general hours well you don't really count because half the time you get stuck in some far off shitty state fighting fire but because you do a lot of wildland fires um but what's your general shift work normally our shift is we work 48 hour shifts and then we get 96 hours off yeah good for hunting yeah so that's real good other than summertime when we help out with wildland fires then 
Yeah, you can be busy with that. Talk about that fiasco because I'll go like two months without even hearing from you, cause you're, <laughs> or you'll be like, I'm in California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But how's that? How's that work? I mean, do you, if there's a big fire in California, they're overloaded. They just, yeah. Yep. So we'll, we'll go out to different places, different states and help out. And there are all these large project fires that are managed by the government. And so they'll call in extra help from other states so we go do that and we make a little extra money for our department doing that way and so we're kind of i try to help out when i can as much yeah it's kind of painful when you're like oh no (laughs) i'd rather be scouting right now than being in california it's pushed into (laughs) hunting season on you before hasn't it yeah yeah yeah, that'd be the only really negative side. Yeah. Um, but you do get to, like, where you live and everything else is, is cool because, you know, in a mountain town is the, is a, that's a, uh, that's very competitive job right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How bad was it when you got in? Yeah, it's, I think it's always been pretty competitive. Yeah. But probably, probably more competitive. I don't know now, dude. Yeah. Half the people don't want to work nowadays, so never know. That is not a lie. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's it, you get paid more sometimes to not work. Yeah. Was, I, I uh I pulled the took the, the raptor to the quick lube Ford thing or whatever. Like you, you get a package when you buy it to every five thousand miles you pull through and I could tell the lady had had a bad day and the day had just started and and she's like, Your rack and pinions leaking and I'm like, All right and I, I said, uh that normal, she said, sometimes in that first 10,000 miles on these high-performance trucks, you know, shit happens. And I was like, okay. And I didn't, wasn't worried about it. And said, well, um, can, I, can I get a rental or something? Because I knew I had a good warranty. She's like, we are out of rental cars. And I was like, all right. Um, well, how long is it going to take to fix? And she was like, you could, she didn't want to tell me. And she's like, it could be four days. And I was like, for a rack and pinion? And she's like, we can't get anyone to work. Um, She's like, no one. And I said, um, you know what, ma'am? I said, just keep it. I said, um, I'll go get a rental car. I'll just, you know, bill for it or I'll figure it out. I said, uh, this isn't your fault. Um, you know, don't, don't worry about it. And she said, truly, we can't find people to even change oil. Like it's crazy. And, and she's, you know, they're understaffed and, and I didn't want to be the dick. Right. And so I was just like, look, ma'am, um, call me when it's done. I said, I'm going on a hunt. So I'll just, I'll rent a car, um, and, and for the next couple of days, and then I'll, I'll have my wife drive me, drop me off at the airport. You got plenty of time to fix it. I tell you what, sometimes it's good to be nice. She put four texts on it and she had it done by afternoon oh, that wow. day. And I was like, what happened? She was like, well, all the other people are already pissed off at me. You're the only one that's nice. And I was like, well, how long have you been out without employees? And she uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into the administration thing. She was just like, basically when unemployment became, um, a new job that mm. people literally were like trying to get fired, knowing they would make more in unemployment yeah, that's Casey. Or, or as much. And, and that puts you in, um, a very weird situation as a, as a state or, or, or obviously, you know, in the United States. And, and, you know, when you look at, um, the, the different ways to explain, um, you, you know, when you when you got uh, ten people and uh, five are doing all the work and, and and all ten are being rewarded, 
uh, five of those people are eventually going to be like, why the hell am I working so hard for these other five to get the same rewards I am? So then the five hard workers start to get lazier because it's not fair. And then pretty soon you have 10 people not working. Yeah. We're kind of heading down that road right now. A little bit strange. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh. you've been here for your whole life. So how much uh, has Colorado changed, would you say, in the last 20 years, let's say 15 years? Like, well, I think it's changed significantly. Definitely a lot more people here, you know, population-wise. It seems like there's more people everywhere you go. The traffic's crazy. and <laughs> But politics-wise, it definitely changed, too. But there's still the cities in Colorado kind of make up the vote. But a lot of the state, um, county-wise, they think a little differently. But the city populations are what? control the vote which affects the wolf and the bear bait ban is all pity people when the rest of the state don't agree with that yeah hounds or whatever mm-hmm. um yeah denver and boulder kind of control mm-hmm. and, you know and it's a different world when you go into outside of the uh, denver metro mm-hmm. um yeah, you know like 90 percent of the rest of the state is a lot different than what the Denver is. Yeah, it's, and it's weird even living where we do. Um, you know, you've obviously lived there forever. I've, you know, just lived there the last couple years. Um, but I'd been up, you know, obviously I spent a ton of time up there. Even some of the neighbors, like you can tell the um, long-term neighbors, the ones that have been there forever, and then the ones that have recently moved in. And um, one of my neighbors is super cool, uh, Caesar. He, came, he moved from Oklahoma. And you can tell he's from a small town in Oklahoma. Like, Dogs get out. He feeds them, brings them back. You know, I get his mail, burn it down. Yeah. Do the shit you should do as a neighbor. Yeah. And then you got the other neighbor that has no trespassing signs on every fucking tree around their house. Uh, don't talk to anyone. And it's like, you know, like if someone's stuck, good neighbor, you go pull them out. Or yeah. if you got a, if you got a, um, you know, plow on your truck, you, you know, you help out how we were raised. And then you have um, the other ones that it's, it's a different mentality and a different, you know, kind of outlook. And, I'm I'm trying to not be, I'm doing better than my wife, right? She is not down with the one neighbor, and I'm trying to, like, there's a black, it's a red fox, but it's jet black. Yeah. And uh, they have chickens, and, and I I can shoot it now, finally, little fucker. But, uh, you know, he's that, that he's, uh, he'll eat moose, right, our little dog? Yeah. Well, now the big dogs scare him off, but I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get him to kill so I can shoot the little fucker, because uh, he's going to eat their they're chickens. Well, I was the Antichrist in the beginning because I was a hunter. Yeah. And now, well, they've had some chickens missing, right? So now I guess killing's okay because uh, their chickens have been, have been killed. And then uh, the squirrels were eating all the food. And so now they're killing the squirrels because they're eating all the chicken food. And I'm like, yeah, it's different up here, isn't it? Right? It's crazy in the mountains how life works. And, and you know, we have mountain lions and bears. And like yeah. this morning, we had a bear tracks going down the driveway. I kind of figured so because the dogs wouldn't shut the fuck up all night. And so, you know, the bear track comes up to the, you know, right up the driveway to the can. Of course, he looks, I'm sure, at the two white polar bears and is like, yeah, it's not today. And he turns around and walks off. Um, that bear went straight to the, you know, to the neighbors. So that bear had, or those, our neighbors, it's bears, mountain lions, and those fox and coyotes, which are all very plentiful where, where we're at. And so, you know, how do you, you know, new neighbor comes in, you introduce yourself and how do you not come out as a psycho to explain like, Hey, you know, now that you moved here, there's 
lots of shit that can eat your dogs and you know and, and they're it, it's hard to can't convey that message if they haven't lived that life yeah and a lot of those houses as you know what would you say the average house is in our area for a decent house let's say three bedroom price wise yeah oh that's crazy right now six hundred thousand yeah plus. it's yeah so most of the people that were raised in the mountains that live there now were from there to move there now um you're not picking up you know your your local you know farmer i mean it's some it guy that's making 300 grand a year yeah for sure and then uh you know they pull in there and never live in the mountains in their life and it, and it's it it changes the environment around you yeah. of of uh what maybe you could have done before like i'm i can legally fire off my gun in my at my house correct i'm fucking worried about it cuz i'm like well, the one neighbor certainly knows it's okay. The other three are going to call the police, and then here I am explaining why I cranked off around to scare the bear off. Yeah. Where if you hear a gun go off, I'm not worried there's like a robbery. I'm like, oh, shit, bear's in the garbage shooting. can. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. It's uh, unique. For yeah, sure. that is funny. But I'm going to, uh, I got to take a leak here real quick. One of the things I wanted to, you to cover uh, your setup, because um, that's going to get asked. Um, how much has it changed since you, you know, started hunting? Has it been kind of the same the whole time, meaning arrow weight, broadhead? Uh, what poundage are you shooting? Kind of go over that. Do you like a three to five pin sight? Because we get a lot of questions about that. And you being successful, I think it's important compared to some dude shooting hogs under a fucking feeder with a single pin, a lot different than mountain hunting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I, um, I, shoot, I shoot a Hoyt bow and i've been a fan of hoyt hoyts for a long time um i typically shoot 70 to 80 pound limbs and i i kind of have it right in the middle right now at 75 pounds oh uh, i think with bows nowadays how efficient they are you don't really need high poundage but if you can shoot the higher poundage the higher the better you notice more more hitting power um penetration and just causing damage um, I have a short draw length. I, sh I have a 27 inch draw length, so I'm kind of, um, plagued by the short draw length. So I try to shoot a little higher poundage just to help out with, um, things. I'm, I'm a, my, I like an arrow to be, you know, 450 to 500 grain range for me. Just that's with my draw weight in my draw length that I like that arrow weight to be about there you know I don't really care about speed but I think a little you know I'm kind of like a medium weight arrow guy but yeah as far as my sight I shoot a spot hog sight and I have a four pin it was a five pin model and I took one pin out and so I have my pins are 30 40 50 60 and then it's got a dial so past 60 i can dial it and i can practice and i'll shoot you know all the way out to 130 yards with that setup and i like to practice far just for the practice wise and i think it, it requires your form to be better to make those long shots but when it comes to hunting i don't take long shots like that but just practice wise what um uh you know like you're talking about arrow setup and, and we do podcasts on this all the time um the, 
I think you probably skipped the the ignorant portion. I did not of the super lightweight, super fast arrows. You've always shot a fairly heavy arrow, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I was kind of use the analogy. You know, everything works and everything doesn't work, or it'll work until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 um hunting out west. I, I kind of like what you said, four fifty to five or four seventy five to five. It uh, it's not a controlled environment like sitting in a tree stand or 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 a feeder. Nothing. I don't give a shit. Shoot whatever you want. This legal. I don't care. I, and I shoot shit under a feeder all the time, especially does. Um, but when you hunt out west and you're in the cliffs, or you know, you, you know, in the case of like let's say one of your seasons, you know, you went from whitetail hunting out east to mule deer hunting in the high country, uh, you know, elk hunting, turkey hunting, having that kind of best of all world setup where you've got two sixty five to two hundred and eighty feet. Um, you've got, you know, your arrow weight being, you know, 450 to 525. Um, and then you are really kind of catering to multiple situations rather than just one. Meaning if I shot a, was going to go shoot a Cape Buffalo or something, I'd probably shoot an 800 grain arrow. Yeah. You know, raise your hand if you're going to do that. Not very many people are. Yeah. What would you say, uh, like with your, with your setup, um, if you were going to change anything other than magically get longer arms, um, would you, would you, have you found something to where you've thought, yeah, I might, I might change that at a certain point, or have you been pretty effective to where you haven't, you know how you get guy, my broadhead didn't open or make some other shit up, whatever. Have you had that happen, uh, to where you're like, man, I might, I might alter what I, my, my thinking on this. I've pretty much kind of stayed in the same, same setup wise, my entire bow hunting i haven't really changed much but i i usually i haven't i don't have a lot of experience with like say a mechanical broadhead um i know those work well for people but i've kind of always just went with the fixed broadhead route yeah and i i've shot um mechanicals um I mean, off and on, and I've always kept mechanicals and uh, and fixed blades in the in the quiver when I shot a compound. I mm-hmm. think what people kind of forget is I was shooting ninety pounds with a five hundred fifty grain arrow, and and I don't have to worry about as much. Um, and I try to explain that to guys that um, the, the 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 momentum lost with a mechanical is, if, and they can break. But I mean, there's some good ones out there. Yeah. Um, have you had a um? a situation where you've looked and thought, man, I should have shot a little bit wider or a little um, a mechanical, or have you had overall fairly good luck with just shooting kind of a standard fix? I've had a, overall, I think I've had just good luck with the standard fixed, but I could definitely see where the wide cut of a mechanical would make a difference sometimes on people, you know, making a slightly less than perfect shot. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, uh, mechanicals initially were invented uh, for people who couldn't tune. I've always kind of made that joke. Um, I think that uh, in reality, and you actually are one of the only guys that can actually uh, 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 tune well enough to get an 80-yard group with a fixed. Um, I think you've poked them out there at 100 with a fixed blade. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, my setup usually at 80, I can get like an iron wheel. Uh, or a cutthroat or something like that to hit at 80. Yeah. After that, I'm usually, wind drag is, is crushing me, right? I'm going to be yeah. a hair low. Um, those are really far distances. Yeah. Yeah. And 
kind of like when I picked up the stick, I was so worried about distance coming from a compound that I focused on 40 when in reality, everything I shot was like 15 to 20. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- there is a certain point in time, and I'm not saying don't practice at far distances, but there is a certain point in time that, you know, you might want to learn to hunt um, and get a little closer. And that I would say 60 yards is, you should be, if you can't get within 60 yards of most animals, um, something might be maybe wrong with your, your tactics or, you know, whatever skill set. Um, and, and it's not like we all pop out of the womb knowing what we're, what we're doing. Most of your shots have been, you know, whatever, 12 to 40. You haven't really reached yeah. out and touched anything too much. Yeah, mine, I usually keep it to under 60 for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll follow up, um, encourage people to, at whatever distance, if they got an arrow in one, I'm yeah. like, the, the oh, rules yeah. are kind of yeah. out the window. Yeah, the follow up <laughs> shot. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, being the hypocrite that I am, obviously, I have shot shit really far away with a compound, but it was kind of an eye opener for me with the stick, you know, that I probably did need to learn how to hunt a little better. So eating crow from one of some of the guys talking shit that I'd never kill anything because I didn't know how to hunt. I was using <laughs> technology to a great advantage. Um, the one thing though is a lot less goes wrong. And I don't worry about the animal moving personally because I animal behavior. Yeah. You know, that's the first thing that pops up. An animal could take a step. Well, my aunt could grow balls and become my <laughs> uncle. Anything could happen. I get that. But if you know what you're doing, that the... The chance of that animal taking a step is a lot less because you're watching it. You know what yeah. it's doing. The the big one, um, you know, for me is the tune, the wind. You know, you 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 torque your bow a little. That affects a lot. And in in the animal moving is always there, but if you're cognizant of what the animal's doing, like you certainly don't want to shoot a rutted up bull chasing a cow at seventy yeah. yards and hope to God you hit it. You probably won't. Oh, you, you might hit it. It may be in the ass. Um, you though know animal behavior really well and, and, and are a sneaky little fucker. So, <laughs> you know, when you probably should shoot and when not, um, have you had animals? I mean, um, animals duck the string and all that crap, jump the string, whatever you want to call it. You've had fairly good luck without that happening. Yeah. I've never really had a problem with it. Why? What would you attribute that? I, I think this is just a theory, but I think a lot of guys, um, <clears throat> when it comes to hunting, when the moment of truth arises, they, they kind of black out. Yeah. And, you know, so they could be a good shot practice and then it comes to hunting and they lose their marbles and make a bad shot, but then they, they might just use the excuse of, well, the animal moved. It's like, no, you, you know, I've seen people who are pretty good shot and then comes time to shoot an animal and they shoot shoot their arrow into the ground or something and you're like what happened something something yeah. must have broke on your bow and they're like oh no, i think i forgot to look through my peep, peep site yeah. and it's like okay yeah. <laughs> so well the guy that we get coming up on next chris perino um he's a stick bow guy and he talked a lot about what we're talking about right now very good in-depth conversations one of them was a frontal shot and uh you know, he'd never taken one and he's yeah. killed a lot. Yeah. And I said, man, I, I said, I always look at it to, uh, the fact, what's the animal doing? I'm like shooting a bullet full bugle on a frontal at 15 is my right up my alley. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, but there's a time like anything that you can take shot. You got to know animal behavior. So he kind of quizzed me when I shot that, that out deck, cause I took a frontal on it and I said, well, it's pretty simple, dude. I was like, if it saw me draw, I wouldn't have probably taken the shot. Yeah. That if it didn't see me draw, I not know I'm there. 
and with a recurve, that bow was quiet. Yeah. And uh, and that one, that Bob Lee I'm shooting now is probably the quietest bow I've shot. And I said, so I just figured when I when when he when they because they were coming right at us out of the cliffs, I was like, hey, if I got the full draw, he didn't look at me. I'm going to shoot him in the chest. Yeah. If he had looked at me, especially as beefy up front as they are, I said, pretty simple. Um, I would have just waited for him to go broadside and I would have shot him. I have had really good luck with that frontal shot. Some people haven't, you know, and, um, but a lot of the guys, as I assess or quiz people, well, they probably shouldn't have shot the fucking, right? I mean, it's not the shot, it's the shooter, right? It's it's the, the Indian behind the bow. And, and, and having that, um, I guess knowledge of when to let her rip and when not to, when to draw and when not to. I mean, when you draw on an elk, the one I shot this year, I just waited for him to go behind a tree and I drew my bow. He had no idea I was there. Yeah. You don't always have that. Yeah. Um, but like when you, how many elk have you drawn on when they've seen you? They just bound out to 40 and stand broadside yeah. to figure out what you are. Broadside, that's not a horrible time to shoot. They might move a little, but you see a lot of guys are so nervous when they draw, when those elk go to spin out, they take the shot then. Yeah. They don't have the experience knowing that, that elk, I haven't had a horrible, I haven't had bad luck. They usually just run out to 30 or 40, and then when they go broadside to look back, I crack mm-hmm. them in. That experience. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it's just experience with hunting and watching animals, like you're saying. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I don't. I, you know, this isn't like a bash fest on anyone or a, or a, it's just, it is what it is. And dude, whitetail hunting, I, first year I'm like with the recurve, totally fucked up. I grunted to stop one at nine yards. Wrong move. Should have shot him walking because he wasn't walking fast. And when I, I grunted, it put him on alert. When it put him on alert's when I shot. Yeah, I shot him in the shoulder. I yeah. mean, he moved. Yeah. Uh, that's an experience. I mean, that's yeah. me not knowing my limitations of the weapon. I know now. Um, I think that's what happens with a lot of different people. Like you said, the excuse. Yeah. My broad head didn't open, whatever. Yeah. I think it's just, that's just the cool part of hunting is the aspect that it can make people like black out and not know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like not remember. you can practice all year long and it's like, oh, what just happened? I don't know what happened. Yeah. That's kind of cool though. But yeah, I think I haven't had a problem. Back to your original question. I haven't had a lot of problem with animals moving on shots or ducking arrows. I haven't had that problem. I did have a, I went to Arizona and hunted coos deer down there. And Those I, little guys. And I did have, I had some nice <laughs> bucks do some ninja moves on me. And <laughs> But the, the interesting thing with that is they were, I swear they were reacting to the arrow noise, noise yeah. not the bow. They would, they would hear that arrow coming and they would move out of the way and then just stand there. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so, no, I think there's a lot of truth to that. That's, um, you know, in, in, in some of it's the bow, some of it's the arrow, but um, the one thing going from feathers to trad vein, it was the arrow. Yeah. Because um, you can't hear trad veins because they're, they're quiet and the arrow ain't moving fast. Yeah. You, you hear, obviously, going through the wind, you're going to hear a compound arrow more than a, you know, my arrow, you can fart faster, right, than, than my arrow's coming at you. And I can say 100% without a doubt, nothing's ducking my string now yeah. um, within reason. Yeah wear a five inch feather it sounds like a freaking peregrine falcon diving in on you and a lot of people i've they've i've heard people say i'm stupid for saying that but they a lot of people say no they only react to the bone noise they don't go off of arrow noise and i'm like no they don't one of my old uh hunting partners said something like that and so uh which i'm gonna get bashed for this i didn't shoot at him but i won an arrow by him he hit the ground <laughs> 
and it wasn't because <laughs> of the bow. Uh, you know, I probably, it was a judo tip, and I bet I shot five feet to the right of him. Dude, he dropped because yeah. he thought it was a hawk coming down. And I, you don't hear my bow. Like, you, I'll hear yours. I mean, a yeah. compound's louder, any yeah. compound. Yeah. You don't really hear the, like, I, I've been with Jake, and, and, you know, I see the turkey die. And I'm like, I didn't, you know, you yeah. don't hear the bow go off. Yeah. But again, like, um, I think people maybe sometimes um, probably need to test the things a little bit more. Like, a- Amy goes down and hides behind at our range at the house. And for, cause she's, she doesn't have a dog in the fight when we're testing. So I'll yeah. be like, honey, go hide behind a tree. She's and a good tester. Just tell me what you're hearing. And I'll, and one of them inevitably she'll poke her head out and be like, that was fucking loud. And again, the, the bow's noise is the same every time. For mm-hmm. reason, different vein configurations, you know, feathers to, to veins, different broadheads. Yeah, even broadheads. You know, you start to dissect that. If you're a human, which our reflexes are nothing compared to a, a white tail or whatever accused deer. Go stand at fifty yards, yeah. hide behind a tree. You, you know, it's coming. Yeah. And and so I think that um some of it, especially if you have a really loud bow, they're gonna hear some of the bow. But if you hear the bow and let's say it's fifty yards away, um and then the crazy hissing thing yeah. that's coming at you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like you hear an explosion, you're probably like, whoa. And then you hear artillery coming, you're like Jesus, because it's you hear this whistling. Yeah, so, yep. uh, perfecting that, and again, like my biggest eye, eye opener was we did the trad veins originally for weather. First thing was like, why are they silent? Yeah, like I ah. probably by seventy percent less. Um, which when you're shooting a whopping hundred eighty feet per second is pretty pretty key. Um, yeah. you though you you shoot um uh you've shot flex fletch forever, haven't you? Yeah, I've shot flex fletch veins for a while, and I I kind of. If you ask my wife, she's like, I kind of have a problem about trying different veins. So I'm like, oh, I need to switch it up and go here. <laughs> she's like, why are you refletching all your arrows? But yeah. Yeah. Well, part of that too is just the goal to be, um, yeah, to stri- strive to be better. Yeah. But sometimes I just switch up my, I usually my setup kind of remains the same, but a lot of times I mess with veins, just like, oh, I'll try this, I'll, you know, thinking you're going to be better. But yeah, I, I think that, um, uh, I don't know if Jake said this or not, but um, or hell, you might have said it. But find a good arrow, find a good setup, tune it, and turn off social media. <laughs> um, which is a, there's a lot of truth to that. So for me, usually it's a full year with one setup. Yeah, and then inevitably I'm like you, like I wonder if I can make it a little better. And then next thing you know, I'm something. <laughs> yeah, like right now I'm shooting um a, a Spartan. It's just a it's kind of a hybrid arrow, and um, I I revamped my setup because the way that i was shooting before in the system i had more point weight way more than i wanted not point weight but up front total mm-hmm. and, and I, I cut that down a little bit and uh, lengthened my arrow a little to change my point on um i, I don't notice a, a huge i don't notice any difference in penetration with 300 grains up front or 225 uh, as long as the arrow stays the same weight um so i kind of Messed around with that a little bit. It was easier to tune. Uh, and then I went, you know, those AAE Mini Max Fletcher, the, mm-hmm. the little three prongs. I wish I would have used those for a long time. I just started. Yeah. I, you can put enough helical on there. It wraps around the arrow. So I went from four flets to three with that because it stabilizes the same. With yeah. One less flet. Um, and it's quicker. Um, have you ever used those? Are they the little 
last. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I just bought three and it's yeah. quick. I don't. Yeah. They're, they're handy. Yeah. I was surprised. I mean, I put aluminum duct tape, like actual duct tape, like um, uh, aluminum foil tape mm-hmm. on the wing so the glue doesn't stick. Mm, that's a good idea. It, yeah. It worked. I, and I, I copied that shit off somebody on the, I knocked on Newman. Maybe it's a guy out of Florida. I think I might have copied him. Um, that's but a I, good idea because, yeah, I remember that was one problem I had was the glue would get all over that plastic. Yeah, and this you just slide your thumb down yeah. and it pops off. Um, but but the little things like that I'll change. But, like, at this point, I don't think I'm changing from Spartans because I've just had good luck. Yeah. And, dude, I get tired of fucking getting, Not little shit, but big yeah. shit. Like, <laughs> back in the day, like, well, that's one of the reasons I knew when I was losing my love for shooting a compound. I get two or three bows show up and they stay in the box for two or three weeks where earlier in my life i'd call in sick from work yeah and a bow up. set them all up yeah where now um like i just gave tracy gullickson uh you know tracy over at rocky mm-hmm. mountain i'm like yeah. dude you want to make some money like what and i'm like i don't want to fletch arrows anymore bro can i give you like 150 bucks and fletch these and, he, and he's always been super good cause yeah I, you know I'm, I'm about to go on a killing and i'm like yeah dude, I, when i come back i'm gonna need arrows and so i gave him those mini maxes i'm kind of curious how he you know, cause he, I don't know how much he's used those cause he's used a bits inverter. Yeah. Um, what if he comes back like, this is stupid or if he likes, likes them, it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Um, cause I, I do get tired of, you get tired of fletching. Um, yeah. are you to that point yet? Uh, I'm not to that point yet, but I don't try to fletch as many arrows as you do. I don't want to fletch anymore. You and go, I'm fletching mine. You anyways. go on bigger killing sprees. So you have more arrows. <laughs> Life, shoot. Lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that was one thing I think Bill with Iron Will and, you know, with the coal hunts and pigs and everything else, I don't know that he probably believed me maybe. And then he went on a couple hunts with us and then he believes me now, you know, but a lot of that stuff, you know, we eat a lot of meat, right? So that's good. And then we donate some to like uh different like um military programs yeah. or like beef jerky overseas, but um it's good for broadhead testing too. And, and you just get to learn more. Um, and so a lot of the different things I thought I knew at 24, um, I was so fucking stupid. Right. And, and I get a kick out of it till you go to like a sportsman's warehouse or a Cabela's anybody listening that works there, this isn't a sh- dig at them, but you, you go up to the, the kid at the counter that, um, is the straight up, you, you need rage tripan and you need whatever. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll take a look, you know. You hunt a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, how much? Uh, every year. And I'm like, no kidding, man. You've been <laughs> successful. I got a doe last year. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm, yep. not, I'm not, but it's like, fuck, that was me when I was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, but you learn so much over, over time. And, you know, the more animals you put on the ground. In your case, like at this, how many bull elk have you? Uh, I've killed a lot. Yeah, I don't a, a pile and, yeah. and some really big ones. If you walked in now and somebody said you need to shoot a, you know, 400 grain arrow with a rage tripan, uh, which is probably what you'd hear, um, from, from some places. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, um, how do you not come off arrogant or a dick and say, Hey man, let's talk for a minute. Let me tell you what you should be telling people. It's difficult yeah. you know, to, yeah. to, to convey that. And one thing the internet and podcasts have done kind of help some of that. Mm-hmm. I don't. Do you listen to podcasts much? I do when I'm at, oftentimes when I'm at work. Yeah. Which like one? I'll, um, 
I'm running on the treadmill or Stairmaster or something. I'll listen to podcasts. Which one would you say? Um, have you heard any where you're like, oh my god, um, knowledge wise, or for the most part, have you more or less agree, or or not? They're not too far in left field. And oh, you don't have to mention the names of the podcast. I would just say, have you heard a few where you're? I've like, heard a oh. few where I'm like, that's you know some weird in- info <laughs> out there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, trying to not come off too much like a pecker and get hate emails, but um, when you have um, when when somebody has uh, let's say hunted whitetails their entire life, that's somebody you want to listen to probably about whitetail hunting. That's probably not somebody you want to listen to maybe about like western hunting and vice versa. Like you you said, you kill one whitetail on the ground. Have you hung a tree stand before? Yeah, no. Yeah, probably not the right guy to ask, <laughs> no. right? Where and people will ask me about whitetail hunting, and I'm because I've killed a lot, and I'm like, I just do what I'm told. Yeah. Bill Pellegrino said the same thing. He goes, people underestimate the art of hitting the animal. He was like, because he owes a pro shot. He's like, it is amazing. People just can't hit the animal, and uh, or accuracy, or you know, the broadhead doesn't whatever, and. When guys ask me, like, with whitetail hunting, I'm like, look, I got a decent knowledge of whitetail, but reality is I go sit where they tell me. I don't move a whole lot, and I try not to miss. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got for you. Yeah. You know, like, that, and there's a lot to be said for that. Like, um, but, but some of the, I have seen some people give some advice with one animal on the ground, and, 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 and it's like, how do you, you don't want to come off as a hater, but you don't want bad yeah. info out there. And, uh, and you'll ever occasionally, I've seen you, you'll throw a few zingers across the, over the bow of the boat. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like to do zingers. <laughs> I got, I got into it with a guy the other day that this one kind of bothers me, but you'll get these guys from out East that all they do is hunt whitetail. Nothing wrong with that, but at hunting out West different animals different species is a little bit different than hunting whitetail out of a tree stand yeah, and so there there's a picture of randy ulmer with this big bull elk this is just on the on an internet forum yeah. and people were like oh randy did it you know got a good bull and blah, and congrats to him and there's this guy from out east and he starts talking trash about everybody who is congratulating randy ulmer saying that everybody's fanboys and randy ulmer just if he got to pay and hunt all these pristine areas, he could kill things like that too. And he was on this high horse of, well, I, I only shoot does with a traditional archery and I'm better, you know? And I was just like, holy mackerel, you're crazy. And that happened. I mean, that's one of the reasons I hated traditional archery for so long is guys were people like that. Like yeah. That. And the, the reality is like with Randy, there's no doubt. Randy has spotters. Randy yep. has people helping. Um, yeah. He is very lethal, right? Yeah. And when I say that, um, you know, I know Randy, um, uh, not super, super well, yeah. pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, one, how did he get to that position that this guy's talking shit about? Yeah, he didn't pop out of the womb. <laughs> yeah, man. he fucking earned it. And yeah, how many had heated over this one? This is where I get super irritated. Um, he earned to be there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and like or hate Cam, for example, Cam doesn't hunt backcountry anymore. Right? Yeah, he, he hunts. He's worked his way to not have to go beat the fuck mm-hmm. out of him. And he, fuck, he's 50 fucking four years yeah. old. He ain't getting no younger, uh-huh. right? I mean, and, and, and with, like with Randy, that dude's 
he'll go down as one of the greatest ever. And he's like he's in the sixties or something, I think. Oh, yeah, and he he had cancer. Yeah, yeah and he so, had, but this dude is talking trash about how if you know Randy only kills these great animals because he's hunting with guides and whatever. And I'm like, huh. Well, and and there's no doubt he probably would not shoot as good as animals as often without help. Now, yeah. but it wasn't like he always had. That, yeah, right? and he that, done, and it's I don't know him, but as far as I know, I he hunts. He's a fucking. Uh, oftentimes he hunts public land <laughs> stuff. He does by himself, you know. But I, I asked this guy, "How many elk have you killed? How many high country bucks <laughs> have you killed?" And he won't answer me. He's like, "Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's jealousy in the internet. Yep, but it's just jealousy." I think my thing is, is why why don't you have all these people helping you? We, you know, we're all created equal. You have mm-hmm. the same chance as Randy did, and Randy's not inherently rich. Um, is okay. You're saying if I could do that. Well, why, why can't you? Yeah. I got five kids. Randy's got four. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Randy popped out a few of them. And so that's the thing where it's like a lot of that stuff just is jealousy. Just jealousy. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. It, that's what I told him. I said, it just stems from jealousy. But he, he actually, I don't know. I shouldn't even, uh, a buck he was recently on. I'm not going to tell the whole story and mention names. It was pretty funny. Um, giant deer. I mean, like, Mm-hmm. 280 or yeah giant deer anyway i gotta make sure i don't screw this story up but uh there's a guy in there that can shoot the, the the deer with a gun and randy's in there with his bow and and for people listening in that know this story if i hacked this up i wasn't paying that much attention the first time i heard it but randy's on the deer and so the people that are watching it are like fuck he's he's getting you know randy ain't gonna miss right he's 20 yards from this buck and he does the full socks you know on the socks and I guess what happened is he'd lost the buck. Yeah. And he was faking it so everybody thought he was on it so they'd watch him while his spotters could go find the deer because they'd lost it. And I guess he'd opened a candy bar and they were like, he's fucking with us. He's not on the buck. <laughs> like, it's so, that's smart though. Randy didn't learn that. I mean, that wasn't something he read in a book. He probably came up with that shit on his own. So I guess he opens a candy bar in his socks like he's waiting for the deer to stand and they're like, He's killing time. They lost the deer, and he they did. Ah. Um, and then uh, the the guys I know ended up going up and over into a different basin and killed it. Two sixty seven or three forty. I don't. know. It's a giant mule <laughs> deer, but it's crazy because um I've heard that story in a few different variations from four or five different people. Um, and because guys had asked me, and I'm like, you know, I it's, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Randy or any. I mean, when I say sympathy, like. It's hunting, you know, you're yeah. all after this giant deer. The one thing, though, that was an eye-opener for me with Randy, when he drew the tag you did, when he was telling me where he was scouting, I'm like, you're making me feel like a fat fuck. You're, you're covering that much ground in a day, and he was wearing tennis shoes. Yeah, that's crazy. Ridge running with some 15. I think he was like 64 when he was doing it. So Randy's a stud, but a lot of that, too, yeah. is, is definitely... Jealousy. There's one um, kind of fat porky fucker that I was having to deal with from uh, Arkansas. Anyway, uh, typical, right? And in and, and the moment I defend myself and I fire back and I was like, yeah, it's easy for you to, you know, act like you know what you're doing sitting in a tree stand. How many times have you come out west? And he goes, I came out west once. I see you're going to hold your, um, you, you know, the amount of money you make over my head to make me look bad and my kids handicapped. And I'm like, uh- <laughs> You poked the bear, man. Like, <laughs> Jesus. All I'm saying is you're, you're acting like, and it was actually about Trad Vane. Yeah. 
I'm like, you're acting like these things aren't useful in a rainy environment. Yeah. You get to go home every night. It's different. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So and it's just the internet. I get it. Yeah. But, it. Yeah, me too. I, I, I like getting a few battles with people. On. Problem with that guy was is, um, <laughs> I ran into him. And so I had to warn everybody. I'm like, you should probably keep that bad fuck away. And then he tried to come up and apologize. And it's like, oh, now that we're in person, it wants to be different. But, yeah. you, you know, you really just look at it and. Yeah, to me, kind of as I've gotten older, it's like, you know, unless you're hurting the, the industry, which there are people doing that, like a Cam, all right? Cam doesn't hunt uh, a ton of wilderness areas anymore. He can still get after it, obviously, mm-hmm. or, a, or a Jocko or a Dudley. Why am I worried how they're hunting? Or, yeah, I don't what is it? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not, I mean, Jocko, obviously, maybe not in bow hunting. He's earned everything he's got, right? He served our country forever. Dudley. Yep, Dudley is not a backpack hunter. Mm-hmm. But I don't give a shit what he's no. doing, you know? If, yeah. if he's got the money to go hunt the San Carlos, more power to him. Why yeah. do I give a fuck? Yeah. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah, what does it matter? A lot of people aren't like that. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, well, you got, we've, shit, we're at an hour and 20. You got anything else you want to cover? Where, I don't know if you want to become more Insta-famous. Uh, you want to throw out your social media <laughs> page or anything? I don't really have anything on Insta-famous, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that but, uh, you got some cool animals on there. What what is uh, your Instagram uh, account? I think it's just Justin Davis one yeah. one maybe. Can actually fuck. pretty bad. I can't remember my own. I don't know. I enjoy watching. I enjoy looking on there just at other people's pictures and stuff. You know, Justin underscore Davis underscore eleven. There you go. See now you. No, you're fucked. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Justin's a wealth of knowledge. I don't know if he wants you to overload him with questions, but um, I, uh, I, I would have to say you are, uh, you know, just knowing you for as long as I ha- have, um, you know, and people have asked me that before, like, you know him? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, when I, you know, if I got to pick my top five team to go hunting and I need shit to hit the ground, I'm bringing Justin. Um, very successful for since puberty basically i mean you've been hunting for a long time so uh, like again wealth of knowledge and, and if you guys have questions um don't overload him but he, he can definitely help you out he's been super successful and i appreciate the friendship and support for kafaru and uh, and coming on the podcast yeah i appreciate you having me on thanks yep no problem all right everybody take it easy